Hi Jo and welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to speak with you today. We've known each other for quite a few years now uh, and I'd love to chat with you about business, how you're building your business in an aligned way, um, everything about yoga and all the things in between. So first off, I'd love to chat with you a little bit about your business. So I'd love to hear a little bit about why you started. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I became a yoga teacher pretty much straight from university. So um, I might actually have to go back to why I got into yoga because um, otherwise it doesn't really <laughs> make much sense. But I went to um, a drama school up in Scotland and at the drama school, they made you do yoga and I hated it. So they're like every, um, for every day you had to do an hour of yoga and I was 19 at the time and I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is slow, it's boring. Like I could be doing other things. I'm supposed to be learning how to like act. I'm not supposed to be learning how to do these weird things with this middle-aged lady in a leotard. Like this is just stupid. And I um, really got like the, sitting with myself was just like torture, like absolute torture. And that it just kind of got pushed to the back of my mind. And then while I was at drama school, um, I had a bereavement in the family and I just needed something like anything to get myself okay. Um, and I joined a gym. It was like a ladies only fitness first. I don't know if you remember fitness first gyms, but it was a ladies only fitness first gym in the center of Glasgow. And they had a class, I think it's a Les Mills class called Body Balance. And in that you did like yoga, tai chi, Pilates fusion to like modern tracks. And I just loved it. Like I just thought it was the best thing ever. And it was the first time that I could really like be my, like I could be with myself. And I, I just didn't have any like worries from the outside. And I, I feel like I processed quite a lot in, in those classes. And through that, I suddenly was like able to do the yoga. It was like I kind of needed a gateway <laughs> drug to get into the yoga. I needed to do the Les Mills body balance to be able to understand how to sit with myself. I think the yoga classes in the, the university were just too like hardcore. They were just too advanced for us. And through that, I like I, I got into yoga and over the four year course when I was at university, I, I realized that I didn't really like acting didn't really like actors. I didn't really like having to be up late. I didn't like the smoozing. I didn't like the world. I just really did not want to get into acting or performance when I left university, but I loved yoga. So by the time I graduated, it took four years for me to go from hating it to absolutely every day, totally dedicated to it. And when I was... Um, when I graduated, I graduated in the middle of the recession. So my plan had always been to graduate, get a job as a waitress and like figure out what I was going to do next. And I thought that would be dead easy because I'd been a waitress my whole life. You know, I'd always just walked into bars, walked into restaurants and said, do you need any staff? And always they'd said yes. And suddenly I was walking into bars and restaurants and they were like, we're not hiring at all. And I actually went on the dole because there was like literally, literally nothing out there. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to do something. 
And while I'd been at university, I had I'd done placements and secondments doing marketing in theatre. So I had like this marketing, these marketing skills. And it was just at the point where like I could build a website, like no one could build a website at that time. Like I understood social media in a way like, you know, that most laymen couldn't. So, and I saw on Gumtree, there was a yoga training school that was looking for a marketing intern. And so I was like, right, well, while I'm on the dole, I may as well just start interning for this, uh, for a couple of hours a week in this yoga teacher training school. And uh, while I was there, I just got really, really into it. And I managed to like bartering with the person who ran it, where I helped her with her marketing in return for her given me my teacher training certificate and then it's just built from there and I've been really lucky because I started my business straight out of university so I didn't have a mortgage didn't have kids didn't have any responsibilities like I only needed my business to be able to pay for a glass of wine the weekend and you know a hostel trip once a year like it what I didn't have those big outlays and so I was able to build my business as my lifestyle grew, if that makes sense. So instead of like it happened, I didn't have to feed my kids with it or pay for a car loan or anything like that. I was able to build it really organically and I have. So over the years, my my teaching has grown and I run a teacher training school. I've got a studio and I've got an online community and that has grown really organically with me over the years. I love your story. That That's really, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it in full. It's really, really nice to hear. But also I love how, even though it kind of seems like you kept falling into things, you know, opportunities that came along, but you also, it seems like you also made those decisions really intentionally. And, you know, you really lent into what feels good. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, I really believe that there is opportunity out there all of the time but you need to be looking for it. So you need to like, you need to believe that you are lucky in order to have the look, if that makes sense. So um, there's a lot of talk in the world that I'm in about manifesting and I'm not, I, I don't, I'm probably gonna get like shouted at by people in my industry here, but like, I don't believe in manifesting. So I don't believe that the universe create like I don't think you have control over the universe but what you do have control over is what what you're able to see like whether you can see an opportunity or if you believe that that opportunity is available to you and obviously that is you know there's going to be outside factors on whether you think you're the right person and there's like social conditioning and stuff in that as well but I have always had this inherent belief that I'm lucky that I have like work like cultivated as well because whether it's true or not the way that you approach life is different whether you think you're lucky or not so if you believe you're lucky you're going to put yourself out there more because you're just going to think things are going to fall but if you think you're inherently unlucky then the opposite you're not going to put yourself out there so it is going to make an impact so yeah I spend a lot of time like thinking about the lifestyle that I would like so that I can find those opportunities. And I don't think I create those opportunities, but I think that if I didn't know what I wanted, I wouldn't be able to see the opportunities for what they were when they when they came. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes total sense. It's like you create the beliefs and then you create the opportunities, don't you? I, I really hear what you're saying there. And interestingly, actually, I, I totally understand what you're saying as well about those external factors. 
uh, I can relate to what you were saying about when you first started and kind of not having those responsibilities like a mortgage and a car loan I was the same in a similar way I kind of fell into my business because of COVID and losing my job but I didn't have any of those things literally exactly the same no mortgage no car loan no children so I just didn't have any reason not to do it <laughs> so you know I took those opportunities as they as they came my way so I, I really really hear you there yeah, I think it's a totally different kettle of fish, isn't it? Than if you're, and this is what I say to my t trainee t teachers, so the, the the people who are wanting to become yoga teachers, who are wanting to change their career, like mid. So these are people who are quite often the who, the people who come to my particular training are often people who have got really established careers in another industry and are wanting some kind of career change or career break, and I think that's much much harder because you've got to make so much more opportunity for yourself and I think redefining like what success looks like at that stage compared to what it looks like because I think they compare themselves so sometimes people will say to me like oh well um how did you get to where you are and you're like well I had the life that I have so what it's going to look like for you is going to be completely different because you've got your life and I think there's a lot of comparisons in all like freelance industries between what success looks like but it's not a level it's not a level playing field yeah I totally agree with you actually I think I think that's a really good reflection as well actually redefining and, and actually looking at what success looks like for an individual because it is individual and I agree as well actually that on that playing field in like the sort of online world it can appear one thing because of what social media is showing us and the transparency you know what we're sharing I don't think we've ever had a sort of a, a decade or you know longer than that of business where we are that transparent where things are literally put out on the table so I think it's it probably also the negative side of that is that it has created that comparisonitis well um I've just started posting on TikTok I've never really I've been a TikTok lurker for a couple of months like a couple of years but I've never put myself out there to post on TikTok and because I'm just starting to post on TikTok my view page is now suddenly full of how to grow your TikTok followers and quite often when you look at these people they're saying how I grew from zero to 108k followers in six months but when you actually look at the person they've had a decade of working in social media this isn't their first account this is they're not an overnight success they're people who've had a lot of time energy and money into and I think it's really it can actually be really disheartening if you're starting something because one of the reasons why I decided to start I do in my TikTok channel was because I was like I just wanted this is going to sound quite big-headed but because I feel quite established in the other things I quite wanted to have somewhere where I could be new again and I could learn something new and and be a bit more creative because I think if you've been doing something for a long time so like with Instagram I was feeling very like I felt like I was kind of hemmed in by the Instagram algorithm and that Instagram way of doing things like the Instagram language of posting if, if you know what I mean but and so I was like I want to do something completely different and I was feeling really disheartened when I was seeing these these things and then I was like wait a minute Joe this is how this is what it feels like to be new and I think it's really important if you have been in business for a long time for you to 
try new things so that you can remember, especially if you're mentoring newbies, like to remember what it's like to be new again, because it's, it's awful. It's awful. (laughs) It's really hard work and it's very disheartening. And especially when there's these people who aren't putting the whole, and I don't think you need to caveat every single thing that you say. I think it's perfectly fine to be successful, but I think it's when people are maybe not putting, you know, when people are using that quick win as leverage to get you to give them money or follow them, but and and you're comparing yourself to them, but they're not they're they're not lying, but they're not telling the whole truth. Yeah, I agree with you. And I really see that shift towards transparency, people really wanting that level of transparency. And I think that people, you know, consumers are much more discerning. And I and I don't think there'll be room for for that kind of content in in you know the next couple of years perhaps but yeah I totally hear what you're saying I think it's that transparency like you say it's not necessarily that someone might be lying but I, I think the the full picture is quite important to uh to at least kind of show your audience that so as you say you don't necessarily have to caveat everything so it sounds like and from what I, I know from you as well that you're doing things that kind of feel good and you're really leaning into what feels aligned. I'd love to hear more about that because I know that you've always done that. You've always leaned into what feels good. I have to, I literally have to. I am, I cannot do something if I'm not interested in it. And that sounds really dramatic, but I actually just can't. Like if I try and force myself to do something I don't want to do, like I just can't do it. And I think at this point in my career, it's really good that my business is at the place that it's in because I am a hundred percent unemployable because I can I cannot do anything that I don't want to do and at first for years I thought that there was something wrong with us and it meant that there was things that I was leaving on the table like you know when coaches and stuff say you're leaving this on the table and I think as you get more established in business, you realize that, yeah, you are going to be leaving stuff on the table. Like you cannot take the full table. The table is too heavy. (laughs) You've got to leave the table. Like the only thing that you can do is you have a business for your life, don't you? You have a business to make your life better. So you have to create a business that is going to support your life and you have to follow your interests but also have those systems in place where if you have got shiny object syndrome which I fully do you have got systems and people in place to kind of follow you around (laughs) picking picking up your dirty laundry and like so so that you don't drop the balls but you can still kind of lean into the way that you naturally work. Yeah, I love that. So it allows you to be who you want to be, go down different avenues while still maintaining consistency in your business. Yeah, 100%. And I think that did take a really long time. But having things like, you know, booking systems, and I think there's, I think there's a core belief that most people in our society have that like, things need to be hard to be worth it. Like, you need to work hard or something to be um, valuable, you know, everyone's always saying this on the like work, you know, it's going to be worth it in the end, work hard. Like we've got like this, we've got this fetishization of the struggle. Um, So I think it takes a lot of 
like challenging your core beliefs to let your business be easy so by having like automations in place and having computer systems that help you sometimes that feels like cheating but actually it's not cheating because it's the outcome that people are paying for you they don't they they're not paying for you to physically type out that text message they're paying for the feeling they get when they get that text message they're getting that they're paying for the transformation you're giving them not your blood sweat and tears and I think that took a really long time for me to get my head round because I did want to be working hard it's actually really this is a bit you know your golden shoes are too tight but something I've had to work really hard on is my mindset around not creating hard work for myself because I find it really jarring if someone asks us well how are you and my response is and oh I'm really busy because I feel like it's almost like a status symbol isn't it it's a status symbol oh I'm so busy I'm stowed off at work and when you're you know we might on the internet spend a lot of time talking to other business owners but in real life people are things like doctors and accountants and you know people work in bars and people are carers and so it feels really difficult like obviously when I'm saying the word difficult I don't mean like difficult as in properly difficult it feels jarring for you to say oh no I really enjoy my job and I get paid quite a bit of money for it and it's something that I find easy like that's almost that's it's almost immoral and it's not immoral but if you have to get over that hump of it feeling immoral so I think what unconsciously I do is I put struggles in my own way and I have to like notice when I'm doing that and be like oh I'm just doing that because I feel like struggle is good. I could totally relate to that absolutely and but actually the self-awareness is is the first thing in, in actually overcoming that isn't it and I've definitely been in the same place am I just creating that block or is it an actual block but yeah I, I really hear what you say and actually just going back to your earlier point because I think it was so you touched on something that I really care about I'm really passionate about as well that actually you know your clients are paying for an outcome you know they they are they're showing up they're paying they're, they're dedicating their time for you know an outcome and as you say, you know, that doesn't have to be synonymous with you putting in your blood, sweat and tears. I, I really love that. But for me as well, it also goes back to the earlier point about really doing what you enjoy and even the offers that you have, you know, the, the classes and everything, they're all things that you enjoy. And I really strongly believe that when you follow the things that you really enjoy, that's probably where you're going to help people to create the best result anyway. So I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's something that I say to my trainee yoga teachers as well, because I see this in them all the time, which is that they tend to devalue what they find comes naturally. And I sometimes find it really useful to stand in a group of them and be like, well, you find public speaking really easy, but that person over there, it's literally their worst nightmare. You find keeping your accounts in order really easy. It just comes second nature to the but you over there absolutely hate it. So if you can see that the skills that we have that we find easy isn't the same in everyone, then 
why is it that we think that the skills that we find easy are obviously not that important because we find them easy so how can the why would anyone pay us for something that we find easy and fun when actually they're like my husband loves doing spreadsheet stuff like he loves doing accounts he loves doing spreadsheet I would I cannot do it but he finds it so easy that it's like it's fun to him when he does oh my accountant like she loves it when you give them the money it's 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 so that you can I don't give my husband money it was I'm changing the person halfway through <laughs> I've realized he was a bad example and now I'm using my accountant like when I give my money to my accountant I'm giving her that money so I don't have to do that I actually don't care that it only takes her like two seconds like I'm giving her that money so I don't end up in debtor's jail <laughs> and I don't have to worry about it all the time and I think it's so easy when it's someone else's skill, but it's so difficult when it's your own skill to see the value in that. I totally hear you. And I see that in my space as well, actually, and, and the clients that I work with, you know, that kind of want, that real desire to kind of always be doing more and always be showing that you know more. But actually, I think really when you when you craft that message, that marketing that really lands with your audience, it actually tends to just be a repeated message. It's just the same message repeated over and over again it gets absorbed by your audience it clearly communicates that skill what it is that you do and we don't need to reinvent the wheel but that I find that really hard Anna I find the repetition really hard because I have shiny object syndrome so I find the repetition of a message really hard because I'm like oh but I've said that I'm bored of that and if I'm bored of it I can't bring myself to do it and I think sometimes that's when automations come into play like you can automate your message so that you're making sure that that message is being repeated even so you're not having you're not having to do it yeah yeah I agree with you actually I think I actually do that in a slightly manual way so I will have a bank of repeatable phrases but as you say when you take out the the thought of that process even if it is you know you've got it in in a I actually have mine in my notes app (laughs) Uh, but if you take the thinking out of it then it does kind of become a little bit easier and you you don't question quite as much but yeah I totally hear you actually I think we as well I think we have that tendency to feel like we're repeating so much all the time when actually our ideal client probably only sees a fairly small percentage of what what we're saying and they even less so recognizing that we're repeating ourselves and people wait for you to say it. So I had this lovely thing today where someone messaged us and said, can you please post a message about on your Instagram about how it's okay to be inside because it's cold and I don't want to exercise. And it was like, he had been waiting for me to say that message. And when I hadn't said that message, he was like, I need Joe to, <laughs> I need Joe to tell us that thing. And what I actually did is I just, I think you'd like to, yeah, but I just actually just screenshotted that and posted that. But I was, it's like you worry that your audience are maybe sick of your message, but what you're discounting is the fact that people are actually, they're following you because they need you to say that message. Like that's the, they've followed you in the first place because that's the message they want to hear. And I think it's quite easy to forget that you, that you're doing a disservice when you're not saying the message. Yeah, that that's a really interesting reflection, actually, and I, I really agree with you. Actually, I think yeah, I think it's always worth constantly putting yourself in the shoes of the ideal client, isn't it? I think we think really differently when we do that. You go to like you would be really upset if you went to a Taylor Swift concert and she didn't give you a Taylor Swift concert. 
like you'd be you'd be devastated you'd be like but i paid my money why is taylor swift like if she suddenly started i don't know playing classical music like even if she played the best classical music ever there would be a lot of maybe one or two swifties where she can do no wrong to would be like that's amazing but people follow you because they want a particular thing and so it's important that you are consistent with that and you are allowed to like obviously diverge from it a little bit but you are doing a disservice when you're not given it's almost like you're not given your end of the bargain because the people who follow you are following you because they need a certain message yeah I really like that actually you remind me of a reframe that I sometimes share with my clients it's kind of thinking rather than thinking what can I share like what do I need to share today like really think what does my audience need to hear today that could be a nice little reframe that's a really good reframe that's really good because I do think we sometimes forget about the audience size it's very easy to think of what do I need to say? And you forget like, well, what do my audience need to hear? Yeah, I think that's a really good reframe. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting conversation though, isn't it? I think we've really drawn out here the challenges actually as well with uh, with consistency, with actually knowing what to say and, and what we're here to do with our online platforms. So in terms of alignment, it's really interesting actually, because we've talked about how the things that you do, the things that you offer, feel really aligned you're doing social media in a way that feels pretty aligned and you know that part of the reason for that is that you know what you like you know what you don't like and you don't want to do that kind of stuff is there anything else that you really lean into this alignment around you know your business alongside your lifestyle yeah I have burned out so many times (laughs) like I've burned out so many times in my business um And so there's a couple of like non-negotiables with me when it comes to the lifestyle I need to make, like um, the like lifestyle I need to lead. And like, I need to go to the gym. Like I need to, if I don't go to the gym, I feel rubbish. I need to go to the gym in the day. (laughs) Like I have set, like I, I have set times now, like I've become like the most routine, routinized I don't know if that's the word but the most routinized person in the whole world like I need to go to the gym at certain times I need to go for coffee with friends I need to see the sun I need like all of these like core basic needs that I think unfortunately in our society we see it as such a luxury to be able to do those things but they're actually just like core basic needs and I think that over time I've stopped feeling guilty for having those needs and started being like no way it's not a race to the bottom why don't we just fight for like better work and conditions for everybody rather than feeling guilty that like I can go to the gym at 10 a.m like I need to go for I need to see friends often I need to see the sunshine I need to eat at certain times like I can't not eat my lunch I can't eat my lunch on the go I need to have routine where I look after myself otherwise I'm no good to anybody and it has taken like a couple of times of burning out really badly for me to get to the point where I'm like no this is this is non-negotiable and running your own business is really really hard like I'm not I'm not comparing it to you know other jobs that are objectively harder but it's still hard just because it's a different kind of hard doesn't mean it's not hard and why would you do all of this why would you do all of the stress why would you put yourself out there in this really vulnerable way 
why would you put your your livelihood like your your mortgage and everything on the line for something why would you gamble it in this way if you couldn't have those like core basic needs <laughs> met like it just seems I feel a lot less guilty for that and um enjoying my success as well I think for a long time I think partly because of the culture that I'm from like I'm from the northeast of England and we kind of, the kind of culture that I got I was brought up in is like we're not flashy people so like you know everyone's always like I'm not into flashy cars I'm not into this I'm not into that and so when you do have a level of the success and you start wanting to enjoy that success it's almost I really struggled with being seen to have money like I felt really guilty spending my money in a way where and actually I don't think anyone gave a shit I don't think I don't know if I would swear on this podcast but I don't think anyone actually cared like and it wasn't as if I was like building the Taj Mahal. I wasn't like creating this massive monument. I was just going on holiday to Lanzarote in November. Like it was just things like that. And But I had this block of people being like, who does she think she is? And like, it was really strange, but I think it's something that anybody who goes through that, anyone who goes through that journey does have to, that they're mental blocks that you have everyone has to work on through that particular journey and I think it's really useful I, I found the online space really useful to have those conversations with people who are going through similar things because in real life no one's going to get it because people will look at you and be like what you golden shoes too tight like shut up <laughs> that's yeah that's such an interesting reflection actually and I can really really relate and you know everything that you're saying there it it just makes total sense and I think as well going back to uh you know your your earlier point as well actually about like the notion that we have to work really hard it's so interesting how the way that we've been conditioned kind of is like we're going against everything in business you know it's the opposite so i think it's really interesting actually how a lot of what we do is actually like reprogramming reconditioning all of these things that we think we should be doing because business isn't what we've been you know from school age we are taught to, you know, go and get a job and do X, Y, and Z and do all of these things in a particular order. And it's so interesting, isn't it? How it's necessary to, you know, do some of that reprogramming. And while also, as you say, prioritizing your needs as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that having, because there are no, I think it's getting better because I think there's people like you and I think that there's like really great coaches out there who do talk about this kind of thing. So there are more role models now but I think that there has been this gap for a really long time that the only people who've been talking about money for a really long time have been, not all of them, but a lot of them have been quite toxic. And this is something, again, I know I'm I'm talking about TikTok a lot today, but this is something that I see on TikTok a lot where it's, I actually had this conversation with, with someone a couple of days ago where I was like, it's almost like people have financial dysphoria on TikTok where it's like, can you remember when we were growing up and it was all about being really skinny and it was all about like being like you know nothing tastes as good as skinny feels like if I went on if I was young and I like it makes me feel like that now and I'm you know I'm pretty sorted but if I was young and I was looking on TikTok I would have no idea what a good wage was because it's like you know, people saying £35,000 a year is nothing. And then people saying, I make £100,000 in three days. And when you actually 
contrast that with the cost of living crisis and you contrast that with the reality of people young people's lives graduating from university like there's so many young people who can't get jobs there's loads of young people who are having to move back in with their parents and yet they're being given this this message around you know you should be making a hundred thousand pounds a year isn't even that much money like it must be so disorientating and I, I feel like it almost I've being in the online world with money has completely re reorientated what I think of as a decent wage or like how much things should cost I feel like I used to have this and I think that's also linked with the fact that inflation's happened so suddenly I, I had in my head I was like this is how much something would cost and now I'm like I literally don't know how much a Sunday dinner should be anymore like I have no idea like 70 quid mm. like I don't know like I feel like you know the Tory MPs when they're asked how much a pint of milk is and they're like five pounds it's like it's like that in the in like with wages it's like how much should a wage be and it's like a hundred thousand pounds I don't know and so I think it's really hard because there's no upper limit when you've got your own business like you could literally make eight billion pounds like there is no upper limit so it's not like you in bands like a nurse so it's really difficult to know when is enough and you just have to I think you just have to decide yourself and be like this is enough for me and on paper that might look like really unimpressive to other people who are used to being like oh well, I could make that in two days like at some point that those numbers are always going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more ridiculous so at some point you have to say this is enough for me and that's really hard yeah, I really agree with you, actually. I totally hear what you're saying about, you know, these figures have almost become like elusive. <laughs> but I also, it, it really kind of highlights the need to define other success factors, doesn't it? And really think about, you know, other tangible things, you know, your bigger why, like, why are you doing this? Are you doing it for, you know, a better life for your children or, you know, this kind of thing? It's really thinking, you're right, actually, putting parameters around that a little bit, but thinking of the things that that money is actually going to buy you as opposed to just the figure itself, because the figure, the actual number means nothing. <laughs> I always, this is probably far too much information, but I remember when I was younger saying to my mum that, that success for me would be building a life where I could have a really healthy bowel movement every day. And I didn't have to like, do you know, like, because I was working at the time where I was having to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I was having to get a train somewhere. And then I was having to be in, I was working in a school at the time and I was having to share the toilets with the kids. And then I was coming back and I was working, I was getting the train really late back. And then I was just going to bed and I did that for like six months. And my body just went completely out of whack because there was no routine for my body to have the proper functions that a human should and so I was like my success is when I can say right this is how the things that my body needs to feel good and I think that's very for me that's success to be able to say right I'm going to go to the gym because I want to but it's not a success that people it's a very low level success it doesn't sound very good when you you know I'm not going to sign people up to my course by saying poo on your own time <laughs> It's not it's not as sexy as earn five hundred million pounds in three days. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But but actually, an important conversation, isn't it? You know, what does that look like to you? Because 
I can't tell you what it looks like for you because it's so personal, isn't it? Yeah, and I think as well for some people, those big numbers are going to be success. Like, I think it's also fine to want financial the more money you have, the more freedom you have and the more security you have, like it's okay to also want those things. It's just getting a bit of perspective about that and knowing that those big numbers, when you get to those big numbers, there's going to be a bigger number underneath it that you're going to feel like you can do, that that you can feel like you want more. And actually that is also fine as well because sometimes you get to a bigger number and you think, oh, that isn't as big as I thought it was going to be. I, I do want another one. That's it, It's not about shaming people who want the more financial side as well. It's just looking a bit deeper about why and what is that money giving you? And it's not just a quick dopamine hit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and actually, you've kind of touched on something that I often see, you know, there's a real pull push toward in the online space, and it can really trigger one person, whereas it could be super inspiring for another. So it I think it's a really interesting conversation, actually, and much more complex than I think it, it appears. There's almost like I see this in the yoga world as well, where there's almost like two types of marketing going on where there's like the aspirational marketing and then there's like the not like the other yoga teacher marketing where it's like sometimes I'm like sometimes I look at yoga teachers marketing and I'm like do you even like yoga like you 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 slam it and you pull it apart so much like why don't and you and you point out all the bad things about yoga so much like why are you here like go and do something else if you hate it so much and I see that I do see that in the coaching world as well where it's like coaches are evil and coaches are this and you're like actually they're neutral it's what you're putting into it like I think there probably are some coaches that are unethical and I think there probably are you know I'm not saying that there aren't bad things happening in the industry but actually in of itself coaching is a neutral thing and there are some good coaches and there are some bad coaches and also like I really believe that we have the I believe that the that the the model and the industry is malleable like we are the coaches we are the coaching industry well I'm not a coach actually I'm in the yoga (laughs) I'm in the yoga space but like I am the I am the yoga industry I'm not like you know when people argue with bouncers about getting into things and I'm like I am the yoga industry but we we are we are the thing so if we can change it like we have the power to change it if we if we don't like something in it we can change it like if we're sitting there thinking oh well there's not that much transparency then why don't we just create more transparency and inspire other people to create that transparency rather than burning down the whole industry and burning the whole thing to the ground like that feels very fixed mindset that we can't we can't change it whereas instead of instead of saying oh this is terrible why don't we say well what we're going to do about it then and actually change it yeah that's so interesting actually and what a unique opportunity that people like us have actually because what industry moves at the speed that ours does really so you're right that that can change in any direction and you're right we are in control of that and it's interesting actually because you got me thinking about I've never gotten involved in any kind of like spicy posts that slate other people's approaches because I've always thought that well actually I want to always be in integrity with that and, and know that I stand by not slating other coaches in the industry and you know anybody else who's choosing to do that they are creating that sort of move away from that 
So I, I really love that. A hundred percent. And I think if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Like the people who shout the loudest, you know, about cancelling people or like, I've always got the idea that people, their actions, maybe I'm naive, but I assume that most people are, if you took an average, most people, I think there's probably like bad actors within that, but most people are coming from a place of, of goodness. And so they're not doing it because they're intentionally evil when I like I've been in teaching 14 years and usually the people who shout the loudest about how their way is the only way and about how everyone else is bad they are the people who get turned on so quickly when they do something wrong wrong in inverted commas and it's not that I'm frightened of the repercussions of speaking out against people it's just I'd rather give that person the benefit of the doubt and think that maybe they were just coming from a different a different place to where I am and actually like you said earlier a point that you made earlier is that something that some one person might find incredibly harmful another person might find incredibly inspiring and just accepting that maybe you're not the audience for that right now because I know there have been things that I have heard in my life where the first time I've heard them I've thought oh that's really harmful and then I've heard them at another point in my life and I've thought oh no I, I get that I just hadn't got to that point yet or the other way around where I've heard things where I've gone wow that's really inspiring and then as I've gone through my life I've thought actually that was really shit advice but it was what I needed at the time so like I think there is this arrogance in our society that everything is for us and actually sometimes you're allowed to say oh well, that's that just doesn't hit with me and scroll on yeah I think you've hit such an important point there that really interestingly I've been thinking about quite a lot recently because that perception is huge isn't it and I think from a from a slightly different perspective I also think people hold back on what they actually want to say not necessarily spicy things where they're slating other people but in what they believe you know the things that they believe why they do things the way they do I see people myself in the past certainly included who hold back through a bit of a people-pleasing fear of triggering, but that perception's huge. And the other day I, I read a story of kind of an influencer who has become a really successful business owner and Grace Beverly, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she shared a story the other day and she posted her Strava run. And I think she did like three kilometers in 15 minutes, which actually for me, like for me, that's quite good. It's probably better than it's, I used to sort of run at that pace. She received different messages. One message was like, oh, this is really inspiring or something. And another message, because she kind of said she'd made a comment that she'd lost fitness and wasn't as fast as what she had been. Someone really was triggered and they were like, I'm, I'm really ashamed of you. I'm unfollowing. I think you're setting really un unrealistic expectations. So she addressed it on her story, what we're talking about now, you know, like the, the difference in perception. But you're totally right. I think we've all got to have that level of, self-awareness where we can identify when something is or isn't for us absolutely and I think that for years I would try and say stuff and I would put so many caveats to it that actually I was saying nothing like I was literally saying nothing and it was weird because I'm not like that in person like in person like I will let you know what I think but online I was like I would say something and then I'd think, oh, but that isn't true for some people. So I would, and I would like, I would wishy-washy my message down until it was just literally meaningless. Um, 
And that doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't help anybody. And the internet is a big, wide place. And the, and just by existing on the internet, you are going to piss people off. There's always, like, you literally couldn't do anything that wasn't going, that someone, that everybody would agree with. Like, you're going to piss someone off. So if you're going to piss people off, you may as well piss people off doing something that you actually believe in I couldn't agree more and that's where I think it's so important to stand behind like what you believe in so that you know that you're kind of pulled back to your own compass you know you're sort of doing things that feel aligned I think that's why the work that you do is so important because you get people to really think what their message is so that when people are saying things they're saying what they mean and not like I said before, you're going to die on that hill and you may as well, you've got it, you're going to believe that hill rather than, and I think I see this loads in the yoga world where, and and I try really hard with my teachers to, to kind of unpick it with them because I think there's a lot of people saying what they think they should be saying rather than what they've actually found in their own lives, what they actually find in the classes and what they actually believe. And it just... It just means that everybody becomes the same and and actually it goes in fashions as well because when I first started, all of the yoga classes were really hard, they were really sweaty, they were really physically demanding and now it's kind of gone 180 and a lot of the classes are a lot slower, they're a lot more, you know, and it's a good thing, like it's a good thing that we're more inclusive in yoga but being inclusive doesn't mean everybody being the same. Being inclusive means having options and being clear about like what it is that you do so people can choose whether you're the right person for them or not being inclusive isn't being in the middle and being homogenous that's not inclusion that's just bland <laughs> like it, you can just because some people can't physically do your yoga class doesn't mean that your yoga class is bad because if we made a yoga class that every single person in the entire universe could do it would you wouldn't have a yoga class there would be no yoga class so instead creating yoga classes where we're just really clear about what to expect in them and making sure we can sign for so if there's someone who maybe can't do your yoga class you can say yes but Betty down the road has a class that is suitable for like for the level that you're looking for because actually as well with inclusion like so my husband's death so to include him into a class you have to turn the music off but I've had people in the past with PTSD say, in order to include me in the class, I need to have music on because I can't sit in silence. So like inclusion is like, there's sometimes opposing things. And so instead of trying to appease to everyone saying, right, well, can Betty's down, making sure that there are classes for everyone, but every class doesn't need to be for everyone. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really makes sense. And, and actually, I think from... The earlier point you were saying and, and that message also the message that you're sharing so you know what, what you're communicating when you're saying here's my yoga class and this is what we're about it this shouldn't be you know just fluffy words that sound good it derives from the you know the reason what it is it's it's being clear on what well, i always call it like the internal message that's the message that you want to communicate it's not about what sounds good and you know i think that's a really great example of that and also like, so I, my classes are really slow. Like I do not teach fast yoga anymore. My classes are really slow. They're really like chilled out. They're re they, are, they are quite accessible for people who don't have, you know, much mobility in their bodies just by, but 
I am not willing to advertise my classes by putting other people's classes down. So I'm not going to say mine are inclusive and those classes aren't. Like I do, like you can say, this is why I choose to do it my way without saying, because everyone else is a shit. You can do that without putting other people's down because I think when we pull our own industry down, we're doing everyone a disservice rather than, and actually I think having more voices is it makes it so much more interesting like it's really difficult to have an engaged engagement when everyone's just agreeing with each other because they're too frightened and then they're not actually agreeing with each other they're in whatsapp groups slagging you off but they're on the surface everyone's going oh i agree with that message i agree with that message and it's like how is the growth if we can't have an adult conversation around why are we frightened of having those healthy conversations about stuff instead of being like like you can disagree with someone and see the bigger thing of like I have come to this conclusion because of this I'm really interested in how you've come to your conclusion because maybe I could learn from that rather than being like that is different to me that is evil and wrong and I think it's really sad because how can an industry grow if we're all stinging from the same hymn sheet because we're too frightened to say anything off the hymn sheet because the minute someone does, they get crucified. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, you're totally right. That is literally how growth happens, isn't it? People question the norm, people question, and they develop and they listen and they see perspectives. It, it's such a, such an important conversation. And actually the people who do that are the people who become successful as well. It's It's such a myth that if you just toe the party line, then you will be successful because that's just not how it works. Yeah, I love this. I think it's been a really, really great conversation, actually. I think we've touched on loads of really important things there that go way beyond simply, you know, I'm building my business in this way, this kind of feels good. We've actually really kind of gone into much more and looking at the industry, at how we are conditioned to do things in certain ways. I think it's a really great conversation. So I do always ask my podcast guests the same question, and actually you may feel that you've sort of covered it, but I always ask what building your business on your terms looks like for you. So I don't, so <laughs> my business is my life. There, I'm not very good at having boundaries of like where my life ends and my business starts. And part of that is because I don't have children. I don't like, this is my my business is my baby like it is 100% my life I think on paper if someone was to look at it they would be like oh god you work a lot and you like I can get a lot done because I don't have the outside you know like I don't have to take anyone to childcare, and I don't have to um and so I think from the outside it might look like I work loads and I do, but it's because I enjoy it so much. A lot of my lifestyle is intertwined with my job because I'm really, because it's a lifestyle job. Like I get to do retreats. I get to do, you know, I, I've made lots of really good friends in the job. So that, so when it's talking about building a business, I don't see that like distinction between business and life. Like there is no like a business and a life. It's like in order for me to build a business it needed to be sustainable for my life because it is my life which is 
saying it out loud sounds a bit sad but it is it's my life like it it's where I get my socializing it's like how I spend the majority of my time so if I and I'm completely in control of it so if I built it to be crap then that would be really stupid because <laughs> I would be creating a life for myself that I didn't enjoy and there have definitely been times when I've looked at it and I've gone oh my god like I need to change something there's definitely been times when different parts of it have come up and there's definitely been parts where I've had to step back and you know look after myself or, or different parts of my life have come more into the surface but because my job is my life I needed to build a sustainable and business that worked otherwise I would have no one to blame <laughs> but myself yeah I hear you there I, I totally hear you there and I, I, I actually think it's it's a really great thing isn't it when you think you actually love what you do and you know I think I often think about boundaries and things because I sometimes am the person who will sit there until nine o'clock at night I'm typing away because I've had an idea you know I'm feeling creative and I don't get mad at myself for not switching off I've just for me, I've kind of learnt when I should and shouldn't sort of like switch off, but it, it doesn't have to be a fixed thing, does it? And like, I don't really have any hobbies. Like I have, like I go to the gym, I read, uh, but I don't like play golf or knit or anything because like I genuinely find working is fun. So like sometimes, like when I was trying to work out what to do over Christmas, or oh, last last year, my birthday is a really good example. I was like, what do I want to do for my birthday? And I was like, well, what I want to do is have a party at the yoga studio with everyone. Like, that's what I want to do. I think it took us a while to actually just be okay with that. And it doesn't have, like, rest doesn't have to look a particular way. Like, if you genuinely find, um, and obviously there's parts of my job that are more restful than others. Like, nobody likes sorting out their website. Like, there's certain things that are, like, not fun. But there's also like, I don't feel guilty anymore that my job is also my hobby, because I think there's quite a bit of pressure that you're supposed to have like this balanced life. But surely a balanced life is just a life that you really enjoy. And it's okay for that to look a certain way. And people and people find meaning in life in different ways. And if I'm not, I'm not here to feel guilty for me finding meaning in something that isn't traditionally the way like I think being a childless woman in her 30s you do have to have this like you have to have this reckoning with yourself where you're like well okay if my life's not going to be filled with children what's it going to be filled with and am I because I think there's a there is a natural break in your life in your 20s or your 30s when you have kids and that's when you get to like, because there's certain times in your life, isn't there, where you, you get to like wipe the table and say, right, I'm starting again. And so, you know, that's when you leave, it's when you go to university, it's when you leave university. And then the natural one in your midlife is when you have children. And if you don't have children, then you have to look at your life and say, well, is this the life that I want? And if it's not, you'd better get bloody work and doing something about it. Otherwise you haven't got you almost haven't got that excuse and I'd also don't I'm not saying that if you haven't got children then you have to like have this amazing career or you have because I think that was something I had to work with I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I there was a point when I thought I had to have all this external validation to almost validate why I don't have kids 
And it'd be like, well, Auntie Joe doesn't have kids, but look at our lovely car. <laughs> it's like, and I've had to work through that. I've been like, no, that's just bullshit as well. When you don't have those children, you, you are very aware that you're in your the own driving seat of your life, maybe a lot more than, I don't think it's not true that parents are also in the driving seat I just think they they have a little distraction from it for a while whereas if you don't have kids you're like oh shit this is my life until I retire I better do something that I enjoy because this is it I really hear you there and actually it's really interesting to hear you know your thoughts on that because I can I can really relate um you know and, and like you say it's not even necessarily just about like thinking I need to be really successful but like the purpose isn't it like what what are you going to spend your life doing? Because I think as well, we're conditioned as women to believe that our meaning is derived from our children. And so you need to have, so this idea of finding meaning in life, and I'm not sure whether, I'm not sure how much I believe in life having meaning. I think that actually just getting up and like, is it not okay to just like get up and go from one thing that you enjoy to another thing that you enjoy? And where's this external pressure coming from? to find meaning and I think if you're always chasing meaning then you you're always going to be chasing it rather than enjoying and but I think there is this when you don't have children there is this like almost hole that society thinks you have in your life sometimes you need to work to be like okay with other people thinking that your life without being like this is my child replacement and in some ways my business is my child replacement because it's what I do with my time because I don't have children, but it's not like the be all and end all of why I am here on the planet because actually the fact that I'm here on the planet is why I'm here on the planet. Like I don't need to justify why I'm here, but this is what I'm doing to entertain myself while I'm here on the planet. And that's okay. Like you don't need to be like always looking at what you're doing and like almost evaluating yourself you can put your evaluation forms away and just enjoy enjoy the ride a bit as well yeah absolutely you can just be can't you you know we're the ones who have set these you know these expectations and these pressures aren't we but yeah I've loved this conversation I've really really enjoyed it thank you so much yeah I've enjoyed it too you're very welcome I absolutely loved it and it's so nice catching up with you as well